0: Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective.
1: Today's question asks if there's such a thing as a toxic personality or a toxic personality disorder. And if there was such a toxic personality or disorder, what would the symptoms be? So, I'm going to try to answer this question by giving 10 symptoms of a toxic personality. So, if we look at the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM, we see that there are 10 personality disorders, but no toxic personality disorder. So as I thought about it, I wondered if I could construct a toxic personality definition from the list of symptoms in the symptom criteria for the other personality disorders. So this would be a list of symptoms that match my understanding of toxic personality from my clinical experience. Not toxic personality disorder, because a disorder would require validation through research. So a disorder represents a cluster of symptoms that appear together. It's official. It's a diagnosis that can actually be assigned. And a disorder guides treatment. So again, I'm looking at toxic personality and not toxic personality disorder. So as I put this together, I considered the 10 personality disorders. They're in three clusters, clusters A, B, and C, and each have a certain number of symptom criteria. In a personality disorder, for example, the first criterion, criterion A, those are the symptom criteria. And then some of the personality disorders have other criteria as well. For example, antisocial personality disorder, somebody has to be at least 18 years old. That's not a symptom, so it's not part of the symptom criteria. A symptom would be deceitfulness or irritability or aggression or something like that. Now, each of the personality disorders also has, in addition to the symptom criteria, they have a number of symptom criteria that are necessary for diagnosis. Now again, I'm not creating a disorder here, but I want it to be consistent with what the DSM is doing with their personality disorders as I consider toxic personality. So if we look at a few of the personality disorders in the DSM, we see varying numbers. For example. Schizoid personality disorder is 4 of 7. Four criteria have to be met out of 7 for a diagnosis. Borderline personality disorder is 5 of 9. And OCPD, obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, is 4 of 8. So what I want to do here was look at all the symptoms and pick 10 that were the most toxic. Now when I use the word toxic, I'm talking about toxic to other people, not toxic to the person who has toxic personality. Right. So. We think of toxicity as being, of course, dangerous to everybody, but here again I'm talking about to other people. So the reason I use the list from the DSM is it's actually a good list. It's well thought out. It's been developed over many years. It's not perfect, but these are fairly common symptoms that we see in clinical practice quite often and would be somewhat easily recognizable to a large number of people. So again, I think it's a quality list, and it's a good list to draw on when trying to create. A description like this, the toxic personality. As I was looking through the personality disorders, again I noticed a different number of symptom criteria for each one, and I added all those up and it's 79 symptom criteria if you take all ten disorders together. But then I saw, of course, there's a lot of overlap and different types of overlap. For example, we see similarity within the same personality disorder. With OCPD we see perfectionism, over-conscientiousness, and being rigid or stubborn those are pretty similar. We also see similarities between personality disorders. Like impulsivity is listed with both antisocial and borderline personality disorders. Of course, the type of impulsivity is a little different. With borderline, it's around self-harm. But with those same two disorders, we also see irritability and aggression on one side, antisocial, and then anger on the side of borderline. So again, quite similar. With paranoia, we see that across three personality disorders, paranoid, schizotypal, And borderline personality disorders. A lack of close friends. We see that with both schizoid and schizotypal. And then we see others that are conceptually similar, like the lack of remorse from antisocial and the lack of empathy from narcissistic personality disorder, NPD. And also we see some that are on opposite ends of the continuum. So violating social norms with antisocial personality disorder and a strict adherence to the rules, right? That over conscientiousness I talked about with OCPD. One could argue they're just opposite ends of the same construct. So that total number of 79 symptom criteria goes down to somewhere around the high 60s, maybe even mid-60s. So looking at those and changing them around a little bit as I needed, I put together 10 symptoms of toxic personality. This list is mostly geared toward friendships, family, or romantic relationships. But for the most part, it could also apply to work settings. So as I move through this list, the toxicity will be increasing, which is different than how we think of personality disorders, for example. First, personality disorders are not exclusively thought of in terms of toxicity, but second, we also see that the first symptom is usually considered the most important symptom. It's really a key symptom when we look at symptom criteria. So here, again, I'll be going backward through the list from 10 to 1. So number 10 on the list is holding a grudge and being unforgiving. This comes from paranoid personality disorder. And the reason I picked this one is because it's really difficult to resolve issues when somebody won't let go of the past. This symptom really keeps people stuck. The toxicity, whatever the level is, lingers. So this traps the toxicity in, so to speak. Also, over time, the original act is usually exaggerated. So, for example, if somebody is holding a grudge, About harsh words that were said to them, that were meant to be critical, they might change that later on into like screaming and yelling. So they make it worse than it was. The interpretation becomes more negative. Another reason I chose this is because when healing does start to take place, when that grudge is remembered, when it's retained and brought back, the healing seems to go back to square one. So this is a toxic characteristic. Moving to number nine, for this one I picked inappropriate, provocative behavior, specifically the kind we see with histrionic personality disorder. Now, I selected this one because it's tied to infidelity, and this is toxic. It affects about 40 to 60% of marriages. Now, if we're talking about a relationship other than marriage or a long-term relationship, I probably would not have put this one on the list. I probably would have gone with being envious or believing other people envy you, which comes from narcissistic personality disorder. Moving to number eight, this one is the sense of entitlement we see with narcissistic personality disorder. So sense of entitlement is really much more than believing you're entitled to objects, right? It's that too, though. Like People that have this symptom, they do think that they're entitled to nice cars, nice clothes, nice things in general. But the reason I think this is toxic is because it also includes feelings. People with this symptom feel like other people's feelings should be a certain way. They're entitled for other people to feel a certain way about them. For example, they're entitled to be loved or cared for. Now, when somebody feels that feelings are entitled, they don't work to get those feelings through legitimate means, like loving and caring for somebody else. So they don't put a lot of effort into the relationship. And when this happens, this creates toxicity. You have kind of a one-sided relationship where one person just expects everything to be given to them. Again, they deserve it, they're entitled, and the other person is really working hard to do that. It's imbalanced and, again, toxic. Number seven is also from narcissistic personality disorder. This is being arrogant, condescending, and pretentious. So An arrogant attitude shuts down discussions because it frustrates people. So If you're dealing with somebody who's arrogant, they're probably going to frustrate you. It makes people not want to work to heal a relationship. There's this sense that arrogance should go away before progress is made, before healing is made in a relationship. And this is really similar to what we see with feeling sorry and being forgiven, right? People look at that situation and say somebody should feel sorry first before they are forgiven. So not feeling sorry is a...
0: Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Elick Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Block to
1: being forgiven and being arrogant, again, is a block to a relationship making progress. Number six is a reckless disregard for the safety of others. This is from antisocial personality disorder. And the reason I picked this one is because feeling safe is a key part of any relationship. If someone disregards safety, there's no way to feel comfortable or relaxed around them. And without safety, you don't see things like tenderness, sensitivity, and understanding. So just like the arrogance, the disregard for safety is kind of a block. It keeps a relationship from moving from a toxic place to a place without toxicity. Moving to number five. This one is included in schizotypal and schizoid. And this is inappropriate or constricted affect. Or coldness okay so with this one the constricted affect is technically from schizotypal and the coldness from schizoid but they're very similar so the difficulty with this symptom is similar to some of the others it blocks tenderness sensitivity and understanding if somebody's not expressive regardless of whether it's intentional or not that becomes toxic in so many types of relationships so if somebody is not reacting in a way that communicates what they're feeling, or they're not having that feeling in the first place. That, I think, contributes to toxicity. Number four is an extreme position on conscientiousness. So this one actually borrows from two of the personality disorders. This is one I talked about before. It's on a continuum. So on one side, we have breaking the rules, extremely low conscientiousness. This is associated with antisocial personality disorder. And on the other side, we have over-conscientiousness, so perfectionism, and rigidly adhering to rules. This is found in OCPD. So, it doesn't really matter which extreme. Either one is toxic, although certainly it could be argued that low conscientiousness, extremely low, would be more toxic than high conscientiousness. But either way, both can be problematic. And interestingly, Even though I use the word conscientious, there's some research out there that suggests that people with OCPD really aren't more conscientious than others. So maybe instead of the word conscientious, I should be using a term like perfectionism or always sticking to the rules, right? rigidly adhering to the rules. But either way, I think the point is still the same. If you have an extreme characteristic like this, where you're breaking all the rules or you're following them dogmatically, that could contribute toxicity. It's hard to trust somebody if they always break the rules. And if somebody is really fixated on the rules, they lose flexible thinking. So both roads really lead to a toxic relationship. Number three comes from NPD and from antisocial personality disorder. And here we see being manipulative and deceitful. So manipulative from NPD and deceitful from antisocial. Now, technically, of course, you don't have to lie to manipulate, but usually that's what happens. When somebody's trying to get something from you, or they want you to do something you don't want to do, or get you to do something that's not good for you, that's toxic. A relationship can't grow when manipulation and lying is present. Number two is also from NPD and APD. We see a lack of empathy, that's from NPD, and a lack of remorse or guilt, and that's from antisocial personality disorder. So, when we see a lack of empathy, this really leads to many other problems. It prevents people from understanding the impact they have on other people, so it makes them feel justified when they're doing things that are wrong. At some level, we really have to be able to empathize with other people in order to treat them appropriately, and in order to treat them in a way that's conducive to a positive and productive relationship. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that one has to have affective empathy. One could have cognitive empathy as well, so affective is feeling the same way someone else feels, and cognitive is understanding how somebody feels. But what we see here with the lack of empathy, of course we're talking about a lack of affective empathy. The cognitive empathy could still be in place, but typically with these two personality disorders, the cognitive empathy isn't used effectively. So the net effect is a lack of affective and cognitive empathy. So this brings me to number 1, the number 1 symptom of a toxic personality. And for this I selected aggression and anger. So I found this in antisocial personality disorder and in borderline personality disorder. The aggression with antisocial and the anger with borderline. And I think the reason that I picked this one is because it's simply the most dangerous. It's directly toxic, right? If somebody's aggressive or angry, there's really no getting around the toxicity. And no progress can be made when somebody's aggressive. And little or no progress can be made when somebody's angry. Anger is a strong emotion. And it's tied to a lot of bad outcomes. So in toxic relationships, we hear things like from the person who's being toxic. We hear things like, if you don't let me be angry, you are invalidating my feelings. We see a lot of justification. People want to be able to express anger. They don't want to be judged for being angry, which is understandable, but it's really mixing anger and manipulation together. They're really looking for an excuse to continue unproductive and hurtful behavior. Right, So there's a lot of excuses I've heard over the years for people to be aggressive and angry and really none of them hold up over time. It's understandable why somebody would feel angry, but there's really no excuse to act on anger. And if somebody has anger for a long period of time, they really need to seek help with that. Anger may be natural and in some cases normal, but when taken too far, especially in the context of a relationship, it can be quite destructive. So in looking at this list of symptoms, we see that they're related to just a few personality disorders for the most part, right? We see overrepresented would be symptoms from NPD and APD, narcissistic and antisocial personality disorders. And we see a little bit of borderline histrionic and a little bit from the cluster A personality disorders as well, paranoid, schizoid, and schizotypal. Now, none of the symptoms from avoidant or dependent made my list, and both of those are cluster C personality disorders, but of course there were a few there from obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. So again, of course, this is unofficial. There's no such thing as toxic personality disorder. This is just really symptoms of toxic personality. But if I were to look and say how many symptoms would be necessary for somebody to qualify as having a toxic personality, well, considering I just made this list up based on experience, what I would say that it would take for a hypothetical diagnosis would really just be a total guess. But I think I would say four. I would say four out of ten. I can look at this list of ten symptoms and say, well, any four of these would be destructive. There's no combination of four that I think would not be toxic, if that makes sense. That's how I kind of came up with the number four. But I would be interested to see if people have different opinions about the number necessary for a toxic personality to exist, but also the ten symptoms themselves. Do they really add up to a toxic personality?
0: Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Brightigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslonga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslonga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, Including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslonga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi there.